Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for our second episode in our mini-series, Let's Talk About, where we talk about certain Newcastle United subjects. That's me and John Gibson. The first episode was Let's Talk About Eddie Howe as we look back on his first few months in charge of Newcastle United, the road to safety and what's to come for the Newcastle United manager. That episode went down so well that John decided to take a couple of weeks off. <laughs> did you have a nice break? I did indeed. It was wonderful. It was wall-to-wall sunshine in Scotland. How unusual is that? <laughs> it is indeed an unusual that Newcastle have started the transfer window well. They've re-signed Matty Target. Unusual that fans are actually looking forward to the fixture release date, which of course came out on uh, Thursday, mm. and they will start at home to Nottingham Forest. There's a video on Facebook of John reacting to that. This episode is Let's Talk About Joe Linton. And if we had proposed to do this episode this time last year, yeah. it would have been a definite definitely would have been a different outcome to how this oh, episode's gonna go. I mean absolutely. Uh, it's it's been one of the biggest transformations I've ever known in a long, long run of covering Newcastle United fifty five, fifty six years. It is absolutely unbelievable. He's went from flop to fabulous, he's went from hopeless to evil. Um it's it's quite incredible. Um, there's been a few, you know, it got me thinking what's happened to Joe Linton, and I went through a few examples of successful positional switches uh, in Newcastle's history, and there's been a few. Steve Howie, we will remember, went from being a centre-forward to a centre-half. He always goes on to me and says, Gibbo, I was never really a centre-forward, I was a midfielder when he come from sort of school into the academy, etc., etc. But he was stuck up front because they didn't have any centre-forwards. And he played quite a few games for Newcastle first team as a centre-forward. He switched to centre-half. Jackie Milburn was an outside right at Newcastle and he switched to centre-forward. And Malcolm McDonald, famously, before he come to Newcastle, was an out-and-out full-back who switched to centre-forward. But I doubt if any switch has been so mind-boggling as this one because this guy was an absolute disaster, bless him, as a centre-forward, uh, whereas Howie and Milburn and MacDonald weren't particularly. They just blossomed even more when they got to a new position. This guy was a disaster. They've become absolutely wonderful. And the big difference, you know, between the people I've mentioned and Joe Linton was that Howie and War Jackie cost nothing. They cost Newcastle nothing. Big Joe cost Newcastle £40 million, which is still the club record record buy. So the pressure on him to be a success was ginormous. Um, and he wasn't. He was anything but. It was embarrassing. We were all asking questions. How on earth did Newcastle scout Joe Linton as an out-and-out striker and decide to lumber him with the number nine shirt, which is iconic at Newcastle. And, I mean, that was a weight on his shoulders that the lad uh, didn't need. And if you looked at his record, he didn't score goals. I mean, at all his previous clubs, he didn't get into double figures. He wasn't a natural goal scorer, which is what a number nine at Newcastle has to be. Um, yet there was a footballer there, but uh, it wasn't a centre-forward. And that's the, the strange thing about this is that when we talk about turnarounds in football, we usually just talk about someone finding their form, getting settled in the Premier yeah, League. So in this yeah. instance, when a striker doesn't hit the ground running, 
the turnaround we're talking about is him eventually hitting the ground running and finding the back of the net. But this has been a total change in position. And then to come with that, you know, to, there's aggression now, there's strength. But it is bizarre for him to go from a from a centre forward who can't hit the back of the net to a midfielder who has been, you know, likened to Patrick Vieira, one of the greatest midfielders the Premier League has ever yep, seen. Yep. And yes, that is a stretch to a degree. But, you know, he, 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 in, in some games, he's deserved that comparison. And we talk about, you know, the, the, just how brilliant the change has been. And Eddie Howe said a, a couple of months back, I've experienced turnarounds in careers, but not quite as spectacular as this. And that, I think, just sums it up perfectly, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the interesting thing from my point of view, and I'm so pleased to see it, because I was getting embarrassed with myself at murdering him as an orthodox centre-forward. I mean, you know, I got where I thought, I've got to get off this lad's case. But if I was asked an opinion, part of your job is to give that opinion and to have an opinion. And to me, he looked nothing like an orthodox centre-forward. Yet, there was something about him, Andrew, that, that made me think, this guy isn't as bad as he basically looks when you look at him. I mean, he went in, if he went in the penalty area, you'd think was full of sharks. He was absolutely terrified in, inside the penalty area because he knew he'd have to finish. Um, and yet, I looked at him and he had a magnificent build. Uh, he had the build of an athlete. And I thought, there's got to be something else in this guy. There must be a player in him deep down. The one thing I knew for certain is he wasn't a centre-forward, and Wall knew it for certain, and every Newcastle United fan knew it for certain that he wasn't a centre-forward. But And I began, to, I began to think, maybe a change of position would help him. Um, maybe he's dropping back a bit so that the game is happening in front of him, which when you're playing midfield, the game's happening in front of you. When you're centre forward, you're playing with your back to goal or, or it's all happening behind you until the ball's played in. If he can see the game more, if he's got a paramount view of the game, his height means he should be able to block off situations in the air when uh, defensively when Newcastle are under the cosh. He's got a decent touch, so, you know, perhaps he would be go forward for midfield. And, OK, I got lucky. Uh, I had a column to do at the beginning of November and I hadn't much to write about. And I thought, I'll write about Joe Linton. And, and I'll write differently about Joe Linton because I, I was murdering the guy, poor guy. Uh, thoroughly deserved, in my opinion, but it wasn't his fault we paid £40 million and given the number nine shirt. And I wrote a piece saying... Perhaps dropping back into midfield where he could watch the game in front of him would help Joe Linton. And funnily enough, I got a, a huge reception from the reaction from the fans and a lot of it wasn't good. It was, you know, are you joking, Gibbo? The, the, this guy can't play, etc., etc., etc. It was the beginning of November I did that. And I'm taking no credit. Well, I was going. I was going to ask there. So the question is: Did Kieran Clark read your piece and decide to get sent off, <laughs> or did it, and then did Eddie Howe read it as well? Do you think? Well, uh, <laughs> I, I would never take anything away from Eddie Howe because Eddie Howe's a the guy that done it. But you're absolutely right. I wrote it. It was the beginning of an international break in in beginning of November, and I, there wasn't a lot to did, write did, about. Did you when you when you wrote that? Did you fully honestly 
believe that that change could really happen or was it i never a, believed it would be as spectacular as it was was it the last th- roll of the dice sort of it thing it was it was we've got this guy joe linton who's a non-scoring center forward we paid 40 million for him we've got to unload him and if we unload him we're not going to get the 40 million back we're going to take a big big hit but is there a chance that we can do something with him that will create a better sort of player? Not necessarily a superstar, but a better sort of player. And I also talked about it with a dear friend of mine who is a scout, and I put it to the scout that, um, you know, he's a scout and a coach in the past. And I put it to him, you might think this is a crazy idea, and he said, hey, Gibbo, it's not so crazy as it sounds. Et cetera, et cetera. So I ran the piece anyway. And that was the beginning of November. By the end of November, we played Norwich, which was one of the great no-nos of the season. A terrible, terrible game. Norwich were just about the worst side in in the Premier League. And they come up here and got a 1-1 draw with us. And Kieran Clark, as you were mentioning, got sent off in nine minutes. Because he got sent off, Eddie, naturally, you, you move somebody back in in the side and the move was to take Joe Linton from up front and play him in midfield and he played terrific in midfield now obviously the thought had been with it was nothing to do with what I wrote whatsoever uh, all the credit goes to Eddie Howe the thought was with Eddie Howe he'd had a look at him in training he thought he saw something there uh, and the guy never looked back and he has become such a good player um, and you've got to give credit where credit is due. And um, as, as far as I'm concerned, um, with Howie, the change from centre-forward to centre-half was down to Ozzy Ardiles to start with. He made the first change, but then it was continued by Kevin Keegan, who had come in as manager. So Ozzy and Kevin take the credit for Howie. George Martin takes the credit for Jackie Milburn because Jackie Milburn was a right-winger Charlie Wayman left the club, having fallen out with them big time, and George Martin was talking with Stan Seymour, who run Newcastle at the time, and Jackie himself on an away game, sitting in a hotel. And George Martin said, I think Jackie could play centre-forward, take Charlie Wayman's position. Stan Seymour said, "Not a, no chance, he's hopeless in the air, uh, Jackie, standard. Jackie said, no, 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 I'm happy where I am, I'll stay where I am. And George Martin said, you've all got it wrong, this fella can be a centre-forward. And so he was, George Martin got it there. Bobby Robson gets the credit for con- converting Super Mac at Fulham from a full-back to a centre-forward. And uh, Eddie Howe gets the um, the uh, accolades for what he did with Joe Linton. And um, it... it it's been absolutely incredible, uh, the change and the consistency. All of a sudden, he looked lightweight. He looked beautifully built lightweight up top. He punches his weight in midfield now. He looks strong. He looks full of running. You know the big difference, though? The big difference is something as simple as confidence. He believes in his game now. He believes it's going to happen. He believes he can dominate the game. He didn't believe he could score goals. The body language told you he didn't believe he could score goals in the way that the number nine legends 
have always scored goals. And and so something as simple as confidence, which Eddie Howe has done magnificently and did with people in other positions, like Kraft, like Shaw, uh, like Fraser, etc. Confidence plays a huge part, and you can see the confidence in Joe Linton now. Mm, he's enjoying being in midfield. Absolutely. There's a quote here from an interview on the Newcastle United website. He says, I look to play aggressively. Midfield demands that more than attack because you have to defend and you really need to help your teammates out in that position. It's part of my game. I don't like losing, so that's why I come in with this aggressiveness. On the field during games, you need it because you're competing for the ball. Every challenge can be important and I want to win every." We won, and when you look at the stats, John, I mean, seventy-two completed tackles last season. He ranks first. You know, uh, pressures six hundred and ten ranks first again. There was that aggressiveness in his game, and you saw him when he took on Deli Ali in the Everton game, and he's standing up for himself. Where you felt a year ago, he gets bundled to the floor. Oh, you know. totally! You can't believe the difference. I mean, you know, and uh, it is confidence and it is comfortable and it is I'm not expected to score as many goals as Super Mac or Alan Shearer or Warjaki I'm now expected it. and to get rid of that problem now I'm not suggesting we move Chris Wood to midfield because he doesn't score goals either and we're going to have the third wonderful midfielder but it it's worked with Joel and, and I'm well pleased for him because He's, he took an awful lot of stick, not just from me. Um, Super Mac didn't rate him. The fans didn't rate him. I think we all remember that, that Rochdale game when yes. he was getting a, a ton of abuse. And that's one of the things I wanted to mention. You know, we can talk about how good he looks on the ball, how good he is getting his foot stuck in, the, the strength he's now showing leadership in, in parts as well. Yeah. But it's the ability to bounce back from that very, very low stage he was at. And again, there's another quote here off the, off the Newcastle United website. And he says, um, I avoided talking about it at times. Sometimes you want to talk about it. Sometimes uh, you want to keep it to yourself. It was important to get home, switch off, spend time with my children and family, put football matters aside. Um, but of course, I was thinking about it. I was thinking to myself, this is difficult. Have I made the right decision for my career? Would I have been better off remaining in Germany? Loads of things go through your head, but I always had a level-headed, grounded approach. I always worked very hard, did my best. Everyone around me was there to help and support me. I'm really happy for this great moment I'm living in and playing in this moment. And what stands out there was, yeah, he was having these thoughts. He was thinking, is it time to well, throw the towel Well, he's bound to. Everybody's a human being, and a human being's going to get hurt. I mean, he was better playing wide up top. Uh, rather than through the middle centre he was better but he still hadn't the goal scoring record for those positions but most players when they get to that point in their you know their mind yeah they do through the towel and that's it I think because most players they get to that stage and there's not really a way back because they, they, they don't want to I'm well, sure I'd look to him, Andrew, that there wasn't a way back when he was playing up top, mm. that there wasn't a way back and perhaps he ought to leave Newcastle or he believed that it was inevitable he would leave Newcastle because the club would get rid uh, and then he would start again somewhere else. I mean, everybody at the club is also delighted that he's done so well because he is such a nice guy. Now, that in the pecking order of attributes 
is about number 10. You, you know, you don't, it's not number one. Number one is ability. Number mm. two's your record is a goal scorer or doing whatever job you're doing, etc., etc. But people are genuinely pleased from him. And you can tell how much, I mean, when he has scored for Newcastle in this last season, when he has been a midfield player, but he's scored, he's run in the wave game from the end is scored at to the other end because Newcastle fans are there to celebrate with the fans and it isn't ego it's joy mm. and it's he wants to say thanks to the fans because you know I know you love me and I know you didn't used to love me uh, and and so that is terrific for the guy and um I mean, let's make no mistake about it. We're talking about what Newcastle United need to get to the next step. Um, and that might be a centre-forward. It might be another centre-half. It might be a wide player. It might be some sort of midfielder and a goalkeeper. But I tell you what it doesn't do. It doesn't take Joe Linton out of this team. Because even if they get a midfielder, for me, it will be the, he will be the newcomer. Will be the third midfielder that goes with Bruno and Joe Linton. He will not replace Joe Linton. But is the more pressure on Joe Linton in that instance because it's not a natural position? Eddie Howe has said he's got centre forward qualities, flexibility is something we'll utilise. And then he said, you know, but he's been playing so well, so I'm reluctant to move. And that was last season. But then you have the summer break, and if Newcastle don't go out and get a, a, another midfielder, Joe Linton starts, which I think he will do. Do you think the pressure's on him, though, to maintain that form? You you probably expect it of Bruno Goresh or maybe Joe Willick of Sean Longstaff to a the degree. Pres- the, the pressure's on everybody all the time. But, but, this is, is, the Premier. It, but is there more of a pressure on him because that's not as natural... I that's think it is a natural position, you know. I, I just think it hasn't been discovered until now. I believe he looks comfortable playing that. He's got all the attributes to play that. Centre forward was never his natural position. There's no question about that. I mean, who on earth scouted him and then decided you could imagine you could imagine Newcastle buying him if you're gonna play him as a left winger? or a right winger out wide, you can say, yeah, I can follow that. But, and that's basically what he was in Germany. But to decide he's through the middle striker and given the number nine shirt, it's been worn by Alan Shearer, Supermark, Jackie Milburn, Huey Gallagher, Len White, Andy Cole, Les Ferdinand, is nonsense. It was absolute nonsense. He hasn't the goal. You don't suddenly discover how to score goals. You either can score or you can't. From the day Alan Shearer went in the Southampton side at 17, he scored goals all his life. From the day Malcolm McDonald was converted to a centre-forward by Bobby Robson at Fulham, he scored goals all his life. You don't discover. You can't teach somebody how to score goals. You either do or you don't. And one look at his record told you he wasn't a natural goal scorer. He didn't mm. get double figures anywhere. So I think this is his natural position. I think centre forward is not. No, because Eddie Howe has on more than one occasion hinted that he doesn't think it's it's his long term position as well as he has done. And I, I agree he's looked the most comfortable in that position. But it's going to be interesting going forward. Where do you sees him fitting in? Because he has on more than one occasion referenced the centre forward attributes. And yes, if, you know, of course, you've watched Newcastle last few years. You know he hasn't got that. But it's you know. But, it's, uh, but you see, if you look at the current situation, you can start talking about Joe and look at his build. You can talk about Joe Linton playing centre forward because 
Wood scored two goals for Newcastle, one of which was a penalty. Callum Wilson's not fit enough, regularly enough, or what a wonderful player he is. In it. But, you know, when you're when you centre-forwards or, or a bloke that scored two goals, a bloke that spends a third of the season injured, and Dwight Gale, who is going to be transferred and sits on the bench more than the judge... Uh, you would th- you would consider anybody there. The bottom line is Newcastle need to buy a centre forward that scores goals. Callum Wilson is not fit enough. Wood doesn't score goals. Gale's on his way out. We need in- and Joe Linton is not a number nine who's going to regularly and get Newcastle twenty goals, fifteen to twenty goals. So forget about that. Yes. There are occasions where you could play him out wide quite regularly. And when he scored a couple for Newcastle last season, he, he started at centre-forward, but he scored them from out wide. And I think if if you're going to move Joe Linton, it would be to a wide position rather than centre-forward. Though you'll always be tempted to play him centre-forward. You've just got to see him stripped and, and, and see what a build is. He's got the perfect centre-forwards build, but he doesn't have the perfect centre-forward play. Why or what do you think the reason is behind the change? Is it a mixture of Eddie Howe just believing in him? Ed Linton's a bit of a confidence player. Yeah. Fans cheering his name and chanting him. And of course, Joe Linton just maybe digging in despite his darkest moments saying, you know, I'm going to stick around. I'm going to prove me worth. And just all them elements have clicked together. I think they, they all do. I think the greatest single factor that Eddie Howe gives these players is it a belief. They look at Eddie Howe and they think, you're not bullying me. You actually mean this. He's put confidence into Kraft. He's put confidence into Shaw. He's put confidence into Fraser. He's put confidence into Joe Linton ahead of anybody. And, you know, if you keep telling him that he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, you know, you, you want to go to work in the morning. You begin to believe because your manager believes. And um, as I say, the hardest position in the world to play is centre-forward. That's why they're the glory boys. That's why they get the biggest wages, because they're the goal scorers. And that is the most difficult art in football. And he has been released from that pressure to play in midfield and has actually enjoyed it. And I... Look, you look at the Newcastle situation, Howie, Milburn and Supermark, all of whom changed positions, went on in the new position to play for England. I honestly believe, and Roberto Carlos said it in the Chronicle, uh, and, and why not? I honestly believe this fella can get in the Brazilian squad. I'm not necessarily talking about as quickly as the World Cup, because that's coming upon us at a rapid rate of knots. But at some stage, with Bruno in the squad, if not in the team, as a, as a midfield player, and the fact that they play together and they're both Brazilian and they, they, they've both become great mates is only going to be a help to Joe Linton at club level and nationally. Mm, we'll get on to Bruno in just a moment. But, I mean, another uh, bit here from that, that interview on, on the Cast United website, which is a great interview, great um, write-up from Tom Easterby, is about how Joe Linton helped himself and he employed a Sao, Lo, a Sao Paulo-based yeah, an analyst did. called Digio Vieira, which basically allowed Joe Linton to go back over, you know, what he does in the game and improve it. And there's just another quote here, um, which I think provides a really good insight into how uh, Vieira has has helped Joe Linton. And Joe Linton says it was something new for me. It was just at the right time for me here. If you think about the context, it was difficult. 
uh, time, a difficult time the team was going through, and maybe my performances weren't as good as expected. I was introduced to him, and right from the start, I really enjoyed uh, and was helped by these sessions. He's a great guy, really intelligent, and ever since I started working with him at the end of last season, he's helped me a lot. Helped me in a variety of aspects of my game, some things I'd maybe forgotten or lost from my game. Since I started working with him, we examine these things and take a calm approach, more relaxed, and look into it in these meetings. It's helped a lot. And that's refreshing as well, because a lot of players can play a game, doesn't go too well, shrug the shoulders, go out, enjoy a Nando's, where it is on the night, and then it's back to training the next week. But yeah. with Joe Linton, you know, he, he, he stood up and realised, you know, yes, it's not all going to plan, and but some of that is on him. Some of that's on his shoulders. He's moved to fix that. I well, mean, elements yeah, are coming to play, yeah. and I think that's that for a young man as well. I think that's that's a really good sign of character. No question. Um, and you know, a fresh pair of eyes looking at a situation. You're biased as a player. You're biased. You sometimes can't see the wood for the trees uh, because you, you, you're, you're the best player in the world. Yeah. Or when you're down, you're the worst player in the world, and you hide on the pitch. I don't want the ball. Uh, but a fresh pair of eyes and down the years this has always happened it's much more sophisticated now because you get people coming in with stats and do tests and they have pressure and etc etc but there was always a fresh pair of eyes there was a guy called Lenny Heppel who is the father-in-law of Pop Robson as it happens who was a wonderful uh, dancer ballroom dancer him and molly his wife won championships all over the country he learned himself table tennis because his daughter maureen who married pop was a table tennis international and he he, he learned it so quickly it was untrue he was a fresh pair of eyes and he used he got hold of players in the old days in the joe harvey days he got hold of pop and various other players and taught them the balance wasn't quite right they, they, when they were going for the ball, they weren't on the balls of the feet. They were flat-footed, etc., etc. And a lot of people looked at him in, cynically in those days and said, what sort of nutcase is, is Lenny? But West Ham, when Pop went down there, people like Bobby Moore wrote about how he absolutely changed his game and his outlook on football. Bobby Moore, the England World Cup winning captain. Jeff Hurst did the same thing. And... In the end, he was seen as a guru that was taken on by the Lawn Tennis Association to help players. There's always been outside fresh pair of eyes that bring a new look to things. And you know what? It also does, and it helps your balance, it helps your nutrition, it helps you get back the basics. It builds your confidence too. And really, this confidence aspect in football is immense. One of the reasons Supermac was so uh, such a good finisher was he was so ultra confident. Um, you know, he had more front than Tynemouth Beach. Uh, he, he was a he was a great great believer. And sometimes you've got to put that confidence in a player. It's not there naturally as it was there with McDonald, and it's been put there with Joe Linton through Eddie Howe and through his personal trainer that he that he works with uh, in conjunction with Newcastle United and, and that's all good and yes you're right a lot of credit we give credit to Eddie Howe we give credit to this guy that's come in and pointed a new way from we've got to give a lot of credit to Joe Linton because unless you're receptive 
Your manager won't get through to you. Your personal coach won't get through to you. Nobody will get through to you. You've got to have an open mind, and Joe Linton's proved he's got that. Mm, and you've mentioned earlier in the show about the likes of Emil Kraft and how Eddie Howe, it's not just Joe Linton, it's several no, other players. It's not. And we've mentioned this on previous episodes. If you look at someone like Jamal Lewis, I think, yes, again, he has to do what Joe Linton has done. He's got to step up and realize that he has to, if he's going to turn this around, a large part falls on him. But he'll look at Joe Linton and where he is now. You know, players wear air, fans wearing t shirts with his face on, flags getting flown <laughs> at St. James Park, chants. Uh, you look at Emil Kraft getting loads of praise for, for covering for Kieran Trippett when he when was he, out he injured. Division, uh, Kraft. Yeah, Fabian Shares, another one. You know, John Joe Shelby to a certain degree as well. And I think if you are someone like uh, Jamal Lewis, you'll look at this and say, okay, there's a chance for me here. Look what the gaffer's done with these few players. If I step up like these have done and take responsibility as well, there's no reason why I can't turn my career around. Well, he's got to think like that. Otherwise, he goes back to Norwich City or in the championship and has a career at that level. The lad will have a career. It'll be what level is the career going to be at? And is it going to be at Newcastle United? He's got a lot of work to do on his defensive situations. But you're right. If he looks at Pete, there's no greater examples than the people we've mentioned at Newcastle. Who's... I mean, the changes in the people you just mentioned there were quite phenomenal. They're, they're only topped by Joe Linton because Joe Linton actually changed position. They didn't change position, they just changed their approach to the game. Um, but yes, they, they, there's a lot of leeway in a lot of players. On Bruno Gomeresh, obviously a fellow countryman of Joe Linton, you know, they're, they're, they're good friends off the pitch and they've just settled in really well because I think Many people, when they saw Gamaresh coming in, they may have thought, well, does Joe Linton drop out? Is he sure. a man to, to sure. go to the bench? Maybe even even leave. Yes, he's had a good a good month, six weeks in the position of midfield. I mean, you mentioned earlier about consistency. For me, I was always expecting it to drop. It, it, it's oh, yeah. one well, point in the season. Of you know, he's had a good run, and then he, he reverts back to, unfortunately, that player that's not confident, can't pick a pass. And yet, here we are, we're talking about Newcastle not really needing a midfield. It's not a priority this summer. And and for me, it is Bruno Gomeresh and Joe Linton or one of the or and one yeah, of the first names on the team sheet. Uh, and yeah, another yeah. for the midfield. And then you've got going to have Shelby and Willick and Sean Longstaff bidding for that third position, plus whoever might come into midfield. I mean, this guy went from being an absolute deadbeat at the beginning of the season to to being voted Player of the Year and deservedly being voted Newcastle Player of the Year, uh, Joe Linton. Uh, his form did not drop. You're absolutely correct. You think he's going to revert to nature and you're going to wake up one day and he's going to be strolling round midfield, getting pushed off the ball easily, falling to the ground the minute a tackle goes in, etc., etc. And it didn't happen. Do you think the arrival of Gamaresh pushed him on slightly and helped him out? Oh, I think it's it helped him unquestionably because Bruno's got a bit of everything he's good on the ball he's positionally strong, uh, clever he is strong and he sticks his foot in he might be a Brazilian but he knows how to to wedge people and to dispossess people and and of course they're speaking the same language and the brothers and they were bound to get on well um, so I, I 
in a funny way, Joe Linton's helped Bruno as well, you know. Uh, there's no question about that. Yes, Bruno's helped Joe Linton, but it's worked the other way as well. Mm. Uh, and all to Newcastle's advantage. And who would have thought that we would talk about Joe Linton as player of the year and say he's automatically in with Bruno, who gets a third position in midfield. Amazing. You know, when you bought Willick for 20-odd million and he's, he'd scored eight goals in eight games on loan and then... You had Shelby, who played for England and played for Liverpool, and Joe Linton's the automatic selection. Um, it, it, it's quite incredible. Yes, he's got to do it all over again this coming season, but with better players around him. He's got good players around him now, but we've got to think whoever comes in is going to be better than what we had originally all over the park, I'm talking about. With Newcastle having better players in and results going better you've got to think that he can progress. If he doesn't, then he falls by the way, but he, wayside. But you can see Joe Linton improving. Yeah, 100%. And I think getting back to how he plays on the pitch, you mentioned that aggression, his leadership in there. But what I'm really liking from him as well is his want to be on the ball. He, he wants the ball at his feet. He wants yeah. to drive forward. He wants to you know push the, the players you know, forward. And that's a sign of confidence It's in himself. And... He just wants to make sure the team are winning, and I'm I'm just so over the moon that we're seeing we're seeing him as a as a proper proper Premier League player. Oh yes, uh, there's no question about that, and and I thought he was anything but that when he initially came, a proper Premier League player. Um, but he but he is that, and uh, he's lucky because he's built so brilliantly. He's tall, he's muscular, he's strong. Um, and all that is reflected in his play and um, he looks uh, the real deal I don't know if you can hear the noise in the background I it sounds, what, it sounds like an airport going off I'm just going to go and investigate <laughs> and see what's happening outside we'll be back in just a moment so yeah that was just about a dozen a dozen or so motorbikes flying past the house there don't see that every day um, yeah I mean just over the moon to see Joel Linton performing at such a high level where we are actually saying, yeah, he's one of the first names on the team sheet, team sheet next season. The fans and their reaction, you know, we've mentioned the flags, the, the Hawaiian T-shirts, the love from on social media, the chance. I mean, the scenes after that Norwich game where he scored those two goals. And, you know, he, st- he stood out there on the pitch waving and he was getting the song sung to him and he was absolutely loving it. And w- what stands out again is... Certain players, they can't handle the attention that comes with Newcastle United. And I know we say this a lot, but it is a true fact. It is, you know, certain players, they go into the shell because when you play for Newcastle United, you can't walk down the street um, for to go to the shops for, for a pint of milk without getting stopped. And someone just wanting to shake your hands and, you know, thank you for pulling on the black and white shirt. And when you look at Joe Linton's first months here at Newcastle United, he seemed a very quiet guy. He seemed someone that was in his shell, uh, you know, not an extrovert. Yeah, yeah. And now you look at him, he loves it. Yeah. He absolutely well, loves the, it. The interesting thing, talking about players and saying that, uh, you know, it, it's difficult to play for Newcastle if you're a certain type of personality because, you, yeah, it's all consuming and you can disintegrate under the pressure. If you remember famously, Jermaine Jane is called uh, the Northeast a goldfish bowl, Newcastle a goldfish bowl, and... Um, he said he had to get away from it, and a lot of people smiled, including me, when you go away to uh, to London to get away from Newcastle. But yeah, actually, it wasn't so daft as it sounded, because in London, 
you're just one of a hundred. Yeah, you're one of a hundred personalities. There's all the rock stars. There's there's uh, all the chop chop footballers. You're just here yeah, and that. But he found life difficult up here, Jermaine Janus, and said it was a goldfish bowl, and he was relieved when he got away down to play for Spurs and was able to get lost in London. There are people that find it difficult. Joe Linton, I think, because of what happened to him when he first came, and it was so tough, bask in it now, and, and, and he does bask in And look at Bruno. Does he, he love it? it. Yeah. I mean, does he love it or what? He, he absolutely milks it, and it's wonderful to see. How important is that relationship with the fans for Joe Linton, do you think? I think it's important for Joe Linton himself. It has always been important that Newcastle players have an association with the fans, as Shearer did, as Supermac did, as Tony Green did, um, as Joe Linton has now. Because if Newcastle fans don't like you, 99 times out of 100, there's no turning. Yeah. The, it happened with Tommy Gibb, who played for the European Fairs Cup winning side. Uh, great box-to-box player. Newcastle fans didn't take to him and never did. Um, and it's a miracle. This is one of the few occasions when I've known Newcastle United fans universally dislike a player because they think he's not good enough and then get to completely adore him. I mean, that never happens. Once, you know, they say... The fans aren't for turning. Newcastle fans mm. aren't for turning. They believe what they believe. And this fella's actually managed to do it. Um, and that is quite exceptional. I haven't seen that happen before. It's interesting that you mention saying, you know, if they don't think you're good enough. But when you watch Joe Linton in, in, in the very early stages, I, I, I will I will be honest, in certain games, part of me just looked at him and thought, he just can't be bothered. It wasn't a case he wasn't good enough. I think over the, the large part of that period, yes, that was what the main thing was. But in, in certain games, I looked at him and just thinking, he is so down in the dumps that I'm not even sure why why he's even turned up here because he just looked like he couldn't be he couldn't be bothered. He just looked like he didn't want to be there. It's, and then to, to flip it now... It's called fear. Yeah. yeah. It's called fear. If, if you're playing up front and you're not a natural finisher and you've got to keep going in the box, you don't want to. You don't want to because if you go in the box and miss, you're going to get hammered in the press by the fans, etc., etc. So don't go in the box and I don't miss and therefore it's not so bad. If you look at the body language of Joe Linton then and you look at the body language of Ryan Fraser before Eddie Howe come, I used to watch him and get furious. I used to think, does he want to be here or does he not? He, he he looked indifferent. He absolutely looked indifferent. Eddie Howe comes, his old manager at Bournemouth, there's supposed to be something between them uh, because it was sour at the end because he didn't stay on uh, for the final month of the season. He didn't want to get in, etc., etc. But he looked at him up here and he, he suddenly transformed. He'd become a busy bee. He was all over the shop. He cared. He looked totally indifferent. So did Joe Linton. In Joe Linton's case, I think it was fear. Uh, in Ryan Fraser's case, I think he was indifferent, mm. but he's not indifferent anymore. Uh, but just amazing now to be sat here and to say that in you know, the last six months, Joe Linton put absolutely everything into it. He clearly wants to be here, you know. And it, you, you speak to people, and they always say, "Well, actually, on on the training pitch, even when it wasn't going well, he was putting everything into it." And that goes to show, you know, what we see on the pitch isn't always what we see 
on the training pitch. And I just want to read you a quote before we dive into to one of the final questions, John. He says, I want Newcastle to be back competing in the Champions League. Now, do you think the the takeover and you know the potential of where Newcastle can get to, yeah. did that play an element in Joe Linton's change as well? Because he then, he's not just at a club who just wants to survive every season. He knows yeah. it. In two, three years' time, the hope is that they're going to be battling for the top it's, six. It's changed everything because for 14 years, the only game in town was survival. Yeah. And uh, now we all want to spend money on season tickets to see Newcastle survive by finishing fourth bottom, don't we? I mean, we lost hope. The players lost hope. And there's absolutely no question about that. But what new owners meant within the St James's Park dressing room, it meant you better step up the plate or you'll be shipped out. And and so if you want to have a career, Shaw rescued his career, Kraft rescued his career, Joe Linton rescued, you better do that. Because if you don't, you'll be like Kieran Clark and you'll be like Jamal Lewis and you won't have a shirt. And then you'll get transferred out the club. Um, so you had a... Put up or shut up. Um, mm. And all of a sudden, that was different. Under Ashley, we just handed out extensions to contracts because that was cheaper than buying replacements. And so people were lasting for six, seven, eight years in Newcastle who were well past the sell-by date at this particular club. And I guess one of the ironic things is is that Mike Ashley was one of Julian's biggest cheerleaders. You know, Rafa Benitez didn't want him. They thought they were paying over the odds. And there is a quote, isn't there, that where Mike Ashley says, I actually offered to pay for Julian out of my own pocket, which is a bizarre thing. And we're not going to get off on a tangent, but it is slightly ironic that, you know, Mike Ashley was a big fan of... Of yeah, Joe Linton. just because he was told to be, he, he, well, he had yeah. no idea. The, the scout persuaded him that if you get this fella, you'll we'll get him for 40 million, you'll sell him for 80 million after he scored a pile of goals. That's why Mike Ashley was a fan. He, he Buy in cheap and sell on dear. Mm. And, and he thought he could do that with Joe Linton and it become painfully obvious that he couldn't. And as I said, you wouldn't... As a centre forward, you wouldn't have got your forty million back, Andrew. You wouldn't have got twenty million from as a centre forward. But he, he's worth his weight in gold now. He certainly is. And while I've got your guys' attention, just a quick reminder to please like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider. And if you get a chance as well, scroll down whether you're on Apple or Spotify and just leave us a rating and review. It really does help us out. It lets the episodes get out to a much wider audience so we always love to hear your feedback um whether it's positive or ne- negative as long as it's constructive john that's what matters isn't it, it but um, is, i have indeed. to say actually a lot of them have been um been quite uh positive towards you and i some uh some chap who goes by the name of s1967g wrote earlier this month who would ever thought john gibson would be the guy who gave a reality check loving the banter between him and andrew well, we that's go. good. That's good. I'm, I'm glad that got on because uh, I was hoping you didn't recognise the non-diploma as being me that wrote that. No, I didn't. I didn't, actually. But it, it's, <laughs> it is lovely. You're not going to get everybody that's going to agree with you. That is not the idea. That's the, the idea beauty of it. is to stimulate yeah. minds and have people think about it and say, you know what, you're wrong. And, and, and everybody's wrong at some stage if, 
if proceedings, but you can be right on a few occasions as well. The fun thing is Geordie's love. I mean, we play at a weekend, but Monday to Friday we'll love it in the pub. Discussing yeah. with your mates what's good and what, and you've all got a different opinion. And you've all got a right to think you're right. Because it's a matter of opinion. Definitely and, is. you know, love's in the eyes of the beholder, really. Yeah, most certainly. So we do get a chance to uh, fill that in. I'll take you 30 seconds. And we've also got a new episode of Gibbo's Corner coming out later this month. It is on John's top 10 Newcastle United captains. We recorded it uh, earlier this week. Good good recording. It's a bit of a long one. It'll be a two-part special. Yeah. Just give us a little taste of John before we wrap up on Joe Linton. You know, what makes for you a Newcastle United captain? Uh, there's always two sorts of captains for Newcastle United. There's the tub-thumping, fish-shaking, you better get this job done and let's make certain we get it done, and uh, rallying call, which is the Joe Harvey, the, the Bob Monk, uh, yes, Stalin Shearers. Uh, and there's the quiet captain who does it by example. That you just look at him and you think, I'm glad he's on my side. What a good player he is. What a, and the, the massive word tattooed on his forehead is respect. And you got that with Kevin Keegan. You got it with Rob Lee. You got it with Stan Anderson. Two, there's two very different sorts of, of captains. Both are vital. When you get both in one person, i.e. the tub thumper who is a sweet, sweet footballer as well. And if you go back far enough, the last person to win a domestic trophy, Jimmy Schooler was that. He was a tough guy with a touch of absolute velvet when it came to passing the ball. That's a, a wonderful combination as well. And when you look back and we did that, the reason why it's turned into a two-parter when we thought it was one part was because it was so long, is because we've had so many terrific captains here. Mm. We've had some duds, but we've had some belters. Mm. And um, that's why it turned out to be what it did. Yeah, it did indeed. And that'll be, the first part will be out on the 25th of this month. And what we'll do as well, we'll get you to vote again like we did on the last episode of Give Us Corner where you can rearrange John's top 10 and the, the last one which was top 10 goals very little changed so we'll be we're very very excited to see how this one goes down but that'll be out on the 25th of June just to wrap up then on Joe Linton John um, he's here to stay isn't he in that, that centre midfield position he is as I said right at the top of the programme I have never known in 55 years of uh, reporting on Newcastle in years before that of supporting them as a kid I have never known such a startling change from uh, villain to hero uh, as we've had in this guy it is quite quite exceptional uh, long may it continue uh, the guy has got an awful lot going from and it includes guts. And I would never have thought that I would uh, say Joe Linton had guts when he was playing centre forward. But by Joe, he has as a midfielder. How important is it that though he keeps his feet on the ground? Because again, certain players, when they have this turnaround in form, it's easy for them yep. to, to get ahead of themselves. But you know, Joe Linton has had a good six months, but that's all he's had. So do, do you think he's got the characteristics to 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 keep his feet on the ground while at the same time maintaining this form? and yeah. also getting better. 
You know why he'll keep his feet on the ground? Because the memory and the hurt of playing as a number nine when he wasn't a number nine and wasn't scoring goals won't go away. It'll always be in the back of his mind. And he will just think to himself, I don't want to go back to those days. I love these days. And that's what will keep his feet on the ground. We're going to finish then with a few quotes from Eddie Howe. So Newcastle United manager has, last season, said, we love him to bits. And the other big quote that stood out was, um, Joe Linton can be whatever he wants to be. I think you have an outstanding individual who's only going to get better. I don't think we can sum it up any better than that, can we? Uh, No, we can't. That was a wonderful accolade. It's even more of a wonderful accolade when it comes from your manager. And it wasn't said as a platitude. Uh, It was said because it was meant. And um, long may it continue. And uh, while we're dishing out all accolades, and Eddie Howe deserves a huge one for making the switch, let's not forget Joe Linton was the man that suffered. And Joe Linton's the man that's reaping the reward now. And so he should. He is a shining example to any young footballer anywhere in the country to say, never stop believing. Keep the faith. It can happen to you. It can only happen to you if you've got a bit of um, uh, ability as well. And he's proved he has that ability. Keep the faith. It can happen. He's a a walking example of that. Don't let us down, Big Joe, next season. Just do what you've been doing. Show that you can continue in that vein and you've got a great career of you. And you'll be a, a big part of what will become a big club once again. Big club results-wise. It's always a big club in my heart, but big club results-wise. That's coming. Make certain you're part of it, Joe. Just keep doing it. And once in a while, remember what it was like beforehand. That'll keep you spurred on to be what you can be. There we have it. The end of the Everything is Black and White podcast. Let's talk about Joe Linton. We'll be back next week with another episode of Let's Talk About and we're going to focus on Jamal Lascelles, how the Newcastle United captain did last season, what the future holds for him with links back to Nottingham Forest. In the meantime, enjoy your week and please remember to like and follow the podcast.